This is the message given by Pastor James Lim during the morning worship service at Faith Presbyterian Church, Long Beach, California, for January 14, 2024. The title of the message is Blessed Mercy. We come now to the reading of God's Holy Word. We are continuing in our morning series uh, that we... Uh, put aside uh, during the uh, Advent season uh, leading up to uh, New Year, and now we take it up again uh, through the Beatitudes uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you would turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5, and we'll be looking particularly at verse 7. So before we hear God's word, let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask him uh, for the illumination uh, of the Holy Spirit, so we can really un- understand and comprehend we're about, what we are about to hear. And may we do it as an act of worship to the Lord. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for your word that is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Father, may the meditations of my heart, uh, words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight as your people hear it and as I proclaim it. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hear now the reading of God's word, beginning in verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Man shall not live by bread alone. Amen. Why is it so hard to show other people mercy? When someone wrongs us and it's in our power to, to uh, bring some justice, oftentimes we choose justice rather than mercy. We make a complaint or air our grievances or we just carry out our anger and, or we bottle, up, bottle it up inside. Mercy is, the most, is not the most popular word in our culture, nor do we use it all that much in our vocabulary. The idea of showing someone compassion in their need uh, is the last thing we can think of. Especially, for example, when we see all the homelessness and the poverty and the addiction all around us. Uh, The first thing that comes to our mind is to complain about it, to look at, to, to tell the people around us, look at what the city has become rather than uh, thinking about showing them mercy. How can, how can we as a city, how can we as a people help them uh, even though they don't deserve it, even though they may not deserve it, even though they brought it upon themselves in many cases. When the guy at the intersection or the uh, the exit on the way uh, off the freeway is holding that sign that says, homeless, anything will help, God bless you. Mercy is not what we think of. Why? Maybe because we don't want to be bothered or we don't care about their plight. 
Maybe we don't think they deserve our mercy. Or maybe we just don't want to be merciful because it's too much work. It takes too much time. It costs too much money. Or it's too inconvenient. We have places to go, things to do. This morning in our passage, we continue in our series through the Beatitudes and we come to the blessedness of mercy. Jesus says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And what he's doing here is he's telling us in many ways why it's so hard to show mercy. Why it's so hard to be merciful. Uh, Let's look at at, uh, Jesus' words here. Why is it so hard to be merciful? First, it's hard to be merciful because we don't really know what biblical mercy is. The Bible teaches us that mercy is showing compassion for and extending help to those in their need. This mercy is first and foremost then not something within ourselves. It's not something that is is inherent in our condition and in the way that we live. It's something that is revealed to us. It's something that is alien to us. It's something that we have to be told to do, something we have to be taught to do. And so then mercy is first and foremost grounded in the mercy of God. It's that aspect of God's character by which he himself feels compassion for the weak and the needy. Louis Burkhoff, a systematic theologian, says it's the goodness or love of God shown to those who are in misery or distress, irrespective of their deserts. It is how God describes himself uh, in Exodus 34, verse 6. It is a part of who he is, how he describes himself. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. This is what God delights to do. He delights to be merciful. Malachi 7.18, who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. It's that aspect of who God is when he sees us in the misery of our sin and he rises up to help us. When he sees us in our need, he decides to fill it. When we're hungry, he's the one who gives us food. When we're poor, he gives us help. When we're suffering, he gives us relief. And when it comes to the misery that comes with the debt and poverty of our sin, he is the one who gives us forbearance and forgiveness. This is why mercy is uh, another aspect of that manifold uh, grace of God. Mercy is not getting the punishment that we deserve, while grace is getting the gift that we don't deserve. Let me just say that one more time. Mercy is not getting the punishment that we deserve while grace is getting a gift that we don't deserve. And this is why uh, the Hebrew word hased uh, isn't just covenant faithfulness, isn't just 
to describe grace, but it can also be translated mercy. That's why hesed is, can be translated both, depending on the context, but grace and mercy. That's what Exodus 34, verse 6 uh, is. It's, it's the word that God is merciful. He's hesed. And so what this means then is, is that it, it, it gives us two reasons why we can be so unmerciful, right? Or maybe another way to put it is why we can be merciless rather than merciful. First, we forget that mercy is undeserved. And so we base our decision to help based upon merit and not on need. Normally, when we do the the math for how much we want to help, how much we want to show mercy, we do kind of a calculation in our head, and we say, do they deserve our mercy? We won't say it like that, but that's when we choose not to show mercy, it's because we don't think that they they deserve it. They're not worth our time. Or maybe they put themselves to where they are. Let them get it. Let them pick themselves up by their bootstraps. Jesus' emphasis here in verse 7 is not on their character, but on our character. On the character of mercy, being merciful. Not on those, uh, not on the merits of those who need that mercy. Where would we be if God only showed us mercy when we deserved it? He would never show you mercy. If you, if you think that you deserve God's mercy and God shows you mercy because you think you deserve it, if, it were, if, it, if that's the way it was, right? if you have to deserve God's mercy, you would never receive it because that is not how mercy works. We can also, the other reason be that we can also be functional atheists and live as if there is no such thing as mercy. This is when we live as if there is no God and functionally live out uh, a Darwinian evolutionary worldview. Right? We, we, we adopt what the world tells us, that we can live as if there is no God, and mercy is something that is optional, and if you really, really want to be consistent with your functional atheism, or real atheism, if you, if you don't believe that there is a God. Or if you don't know uh, who uh, the God of the Bible is, you know, you're just kind of agnostic, then mercy is alien to your worldview. Mercy doesn't belong in a functional atheistic worldview. We live as if the law of nature was by the survival of the fittest, where the strong eat the weak, and there is no mercy. Jane Goodall, the, the late British uh, primatologist uh, st- who studied chimpanzee communities in Africa, uh, she observed that in, in families and, and, and communities, in tribes, so to speak, of chimpanzees, when, when chimpanzees became sick, old, and disabled, the leadership would either actively kill that weak chimpanzee or they would abandon that chimpanzee to die in exile. 
Why? Because to show those weak and needy chimpanzees mercy would be a drain on the community resources where only the strong and the healthy are supposed to survive. See, mercy totally turns that upside down. See, mercy is a value that presupposes the existence of a God who is mercy, who loves and delights to help the poor and the needy. This is why, for example, Friedrich Nietzsche argued that mercy was inconsistent with a truly atheist world and life view. He argued, and this was part of his whole program in his book on the genealogy of morality, that, 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 that when you ditch God, you have to ditch concepts like grace, human rights, uh, obligation, duty, law, and mercy. He called it the slave mentality, uh, the last vestiges of Christianity. And he called uh, the modern world to shed it so that it would be a world of the survival of the fittest. And so it's no wonder then that it is, was part of Nietzsche's trajectory that you would get philosophies and worldviews and political theories such as eugenics that would lead to the genocide uh, of the Jews by Hitler. He, he's the one who took Nietzsche's philosophy to its consistent end. He didn't care about the weak and the needy. He wanted them erased because they were drains on the resources of the people. But it was the Christians who knew a God of mercy, who had been shown the mercy of God in their own lives and called the whole world to be merciful to the weak and the needy. They were the ones who fought against the functional atheism of the time. And so this is one of the reasons why I think mercy is so hard for us. Because we know in our minds that we're supposed to be merciful because God has been merciful to us. But functionally, we live as if that God doesn't exist and that we live by the survival of the fittest. And so we don't want a drain on our resources to be used on someone who is weak and who is needy. So how do we push back against this functional atheism in our lives? How do we push back against making uh, mercy so hard to show to people. This brings us to my second point. How do we keep from being functional atheists? In addition, that we do this by, by not only knowing what God's mercy is, but also experiencing it in our lives to really taste and see the mercy of God and what it can do for us in changing us. You see, if we want to be merciful, if we want to be full of mercy, then we need to be filled with the mercy of God in Jesus Christ. This is the underlying truth, the presupposing truth of verse 7. Only those who are merciful 
can receive mercy. So the question is, how does one become merciful? How is one filled with mercy then in order to be merciful? By being filled with the mercy that God gives to us in the gospel. And this means that we have to know our need for God's mercy. How can we be merciful if we don't know what mercy is? How can we be merciful if we don't think we need mercy? And so we have to recognize our true fallen condition in sin. It means recognizing the magnitude of the debt of our sin to God and mourning over our spiritual condition that we are spiritually deaf, dumb, blind, dead in our trespasses and sins. We are beggars before God without a penny to our name, homeless, clothed in the filthy rags of our sinful works, without righteousness, without hope, and without God in the world, starving for the bread of life, thirsting for the water of life, deserving nothing but God's judgment and hell. When we understand the depth of our spiritual need, then and only then can we truly receive God's mercy. We also have to experience the mercy of God who fills that need in his one and only son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That he is the incarnate mercy of God who provides for all of our needs including our deepest need, the forgiveness of sins, paying the debt of our righteousness, of our sin with his perfect righteousness and life everlasting, adopting us and making us sons and daughters, making us heirs and co-heirs with Christ. This is what Peter means when he quotes Isaiah in 1 Peter 2.10. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Or the writer of Hebrews, he quotes the Lord. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. Hebrews 8.12. Or Paul, who says in Ephesians 2, when we deserved God's wrath... God being rich in mercy, right? In the poverty of our need, God is rich in mercy because of what? The great love with which he loved us when we were dead in our trespasses made us alive together with Christ. It's all undeserved by grace. Titus 3, 4, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. The reason why mercy is so hard for us is we've either never experienced the mercy of God in Christ or we have forgotten it. We can't do something that we've never experienced. Like God's forgiveness, we will not be able to forgive others if we don't know what forgiveness is ourselves. Only those who've been forgiven by God's grace can truly forgive by God's grace. And the same goes for his mercy. We only show the mercy of God in as much as we know the mercy of God. Let me say that one more time. We only... Show the mercy of God in as much as we know the mercy of God. John Piper puts it this way. 
Mercy comes from mercy. Our mercy to each other comes from God's mercy to us. You get the power to show mercy from the real feeling in your heart that you owe everything you are and have to sheer divine mercy. This morning, if you've never experienced God's mercy in the gospel, then you shouldn't be surprised uh, when you're not merciful. If you don't know the mercy of God and you have a hard time showing mercy to those in need, then I want to invite you to receive God's mercy, to, to taste and see it for yourselves so that you can then go and give it to recognize your sin and need for God's mercy, to trust in Jesus Christ through whom God's mercy is given to you and you will be forgiven, you will be saved. And out of the mercy that you have received in this gospel, you can give mercy to those in need, to those who have wronged you, you can forgive, to those who need your help, you can gladly sacrifice your time, talent, and treasure for them. To those who are hurting in their sin, you can point them to the very same mercy in Christ that saved you from your misery and sin. This is why after expositing the glories of the gospel for 11 chapters in the book of Romans, Paul puts a summary and a capstone to all the mercy of the gospel that he has exposited, exposited, and now he with this grand application, he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual worship. If mercy is hard for you, maybe you've never tasted the mercy of God, or maybe you have forgotten it. Or maybe, and here's one more option, maybe your understanding of God's mercy to you is superficial in nature. You, don't, you have not plumbed the depth of God's mercy to you, so it hasn't changed you the way it ought to. It hasn't affected you the way you ought to. And therefore, when you look at someone else who needs mercy, you don't see yourself in them. You don't see your need, your absolute Uh, uh, desperation and need in those people who need mercy. In many ways, you're you're very much like uh, the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, right? You're you're like the Pharisee in, in, in front. You're like, I'm glad that I'm not a sinner like them. I tithe everything. But the but the sinner who knows he needs the mercy of God is in the back. He he has to look down because he's humbling himself. He knows he doesn't deserve anything from God. And he beats his breast and he says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. See, if you really knew the depths of God's mercy and love toward you, you would see the need for mercy everywhere in everyone, in every circumstance. And, you're, and the first thing that comes to your mind will be how can I be merciful to these people, to these friends, to my own wife, to my own children, to those who hate me, 
to those who've wronged me? How can I be merciful to them because of the mercy that I have received from God? Maybe our hearts have grown cold to the mercy that God has shown us. And it just seems so long ago, so far away. My encouragement to you is to look back, to remember how sweet and satisfying God's mercy was to you on that day when you first believed. Remember how poor and pitiable you were and how God's mercy picked you up from the pit of your misery and sin. Remember how you went from the poverty of sin to the riches of his grace in Christ when you were alienated uh, from him to adopted sons and daughters. You were lost and alone to become heirs and co-heirs of God in Christ. Then when your heart is filled to the brim with the mercy of God, let it overflow with mercy to those around you. You see, Jesus' words here are not a formula to earn God's mercy by being merciful. No, it presupposes a heart already full of mercy in order then to receive more and more mercy. Just like those, only those who have been forgiven can truly forgive. So also only those who received mercy can truly be merciful. So why is it so hard to be merciful? Because we don't know what mercy really is or we haven't experienced it and remembered it as we ought. This is why then in Jesus' parable of the unforgiving servant who after being forgiven of an, of an unpayable debt, a debt so large that he could never ever repay it in his lifetime, he didn't receive the mercy that was offered to him. He tried to repay it. And that's why he was so hard on those who owed him money, uh, infinitely less, a fraction of what he owed uh, his master. And he would beat him and he was beating him and choking him. The reason is because he did not truly receive the mercy of his master and that made him merciless. But we need to receive the mercy of our Lord and King so that we might be merciful. So nothing then moves us to forgive like the amazing truth that we ourselves have been forgiven. Nothing proves more clearly that we have been forgiven than our own readiness to forgive. So then let us be merciful because we have already been shown mercy. And in doing so, we will receive more and more of it. Truly blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. Let's pray together. Our Father, we come before you, weak and needy sinners, poor and needy. Lord, we are not as merciful as we ought to be because we don't 
we don't remember, we haven't experienced your mercy as we should. But thank you, Lord, for the mercy that you give us in the gospel in Jesus Christ. Would you soften our hearts? Would you melt the merciless hardness of our hearts so that we might be merciful and that we might be agents of your mercy to a merciless world? In Jesus' name we pray, amen.